Welcome to the GMAT Strategy Podcast. You're here because you believe there's a better way to study for the GMAT, and so do we. We created the GMAT Strategy to maximize your results and minimize your efforts so you can get to the fun parts about business school and life as quickly as possible. My name is Isaac Puglia, and I've been teaching GMAT classes and tutoring privately for the GMAT for almost a decade, and I've achieved a 99th percentile score on the GMAT and helped thousands of students get into the business school's of their choice. I'm excited to be a part of your MBA journey since we all at TGS think our world can benefit from the best possible business leaders that we can find. If this show is bringing you value, please share it with your friends and family who are studying so that together we can make this process as easy and as painless as it can possibly be. Let's go. Today, I want to talk about how to get better at dealing with distractions. It's arguable that we live in one of the most distracted eras of human history, and there's more ways to get distracted these days than there ever have been before. And so if we're going to reach our peak levels of productivity and our peak levels of performance in difficult situations, such as a competitive standardized test like the GMAT, then getting better at dealing with distractions is going to be very valuable. What I'm going to do for you today is not necessarily give you an organized, complete system that's tailored for you personally, because that's probably beyond the scope of a public format like this one. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share a bunch of line items that I've seen work best for the widest variety of people. And then you can assemble your own system. And if you have questions about what you should be integrating for your specific situation, or you're really not sure what's going to be best, then you can reach out to us and we'll do our absolute best to advise. Because I'm going to go through a bunch of different things, not all of these things might resonate with you. And it might even be counterproductive to try to implement lots of them or all of them right away. Instead, what I'm going to recommend is listen to the full episode, pick one, maybe two, that resonate with you the most, and then work those into your productivity system until they become a habit. And then you can come back to this episode over time and continue to develop your dealing with distractions game and skill set. So let's jump right in. The best way to deal with distractions is to have fewer distractions. So that's probably not going to come as any surprise, but I want to share a really interesting research study that I learned about recently, and it was about discipline and willpower. And what was done is different people in the study were given different ways of becoming more disciplined. So some people were given positive affirmations, like telling themselves they were more disciplined. Some people were given professional coaching on how to become more disciplined and a bunch of other things. And then they were measured against a control group who had no intervention, who just were asked to do similar tasks that were difficult to sustain over time. And by far, the group that outperformed every other modality of increasing discipline was the group that had an environment that was conducive to staying disciplined. <laughs> so what was interesting is if they used food as a source of discipline, for example, and people had to stay on a particular diet for a long amount of time, the people who performed the best in that study were the people who didn't have access to the bad foods that weren't allowed on the diet in their regular day-to-day -day environment versus the people who had access but had skills coaching or the whole list of, of popular items of becoming more disciplined. So the same can be said of distractions in my experience. And I, I do want to be clear, none of this is, is medical advice. If you have medical issues, you should consult a physician and get professional help. This is just what I've seen work for a wide variety of people after many, 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 many years of coaching people to peak performance, particularly on standardized tests. So one great way to have fewer distractions in your environment is a plugin that's called Newsfeed Eradicator. And it's specifically designed for Chrome. There may be other browsers and other applications or plugins that you can get for internet browsers other than Chrome. But I personally like the Newsfeed Eradicator. I've seen a lot of people use it to good effect. And what it does is it blocks out the newsfeed on popular social platforms like LinkedIn, YouTube, 
Facebook, Instagram, et cetera. And some of you might not have access to this during your productive hours anyway through other means, but basically a news feed blocking software of some type can be very effective because if I don't see the distracting thing, <laughs> I'm significantly less likely to be distracted by it. And this is something that I've been using for many, many years. I've recommended it to many, many people and really have never had a complaint about this. You can turn it off and turn it on at will. And it's it's very, very effective. And I, I highly recommend it. So there's list item number one for making your product productive environment more productive by having fewer distractions is just getting rid of news feeds in general. There's also a great plugin uh, for Chrome, and I'm sure you can get similar things for other browsers called Momentum. And it's a starting page plugin that just gives you like a beautiful scenic photograph as your launch page instead of like the common launch pages of like the news or search suggestions or whatever the default opening of the browser page is in your particular browser that you use. Now, there's many other ways to do this. I'm sure there's other plugins out there. I'm just sharing with you what I've seen work for the widest number of people. So if you engage with those and, and you have good results, drop us a DM and just let us know that that's working for you. So those two things I think are, they seem so small, but you might be surprised how often you're confronted with a news feed or a landing page when you open a browser throughout your productive sessions. It's a very, very common thing these days. We don't even think about it sometimes. And there's a lot of people with a very strong vested interest. They're very highly incentivized to get your attention when you're on the internet. And so if we can just block all that stuff out, it's much less likely that we're going to get distracted by that stuff. Next tip, also web browser related, is putting your tabs into groups. Now, this is, again, a feature I'm familiar with in Chrome because that's the main web browser that I use, but I'm sure there are similar features in other browsers. And if you're not sure how to group your web page tabs in any particular window, then a quick web search will give you a good instructional video on that. The, the quick version of it is you can click on any tab, you can right-click on it or two-finger click on it if you're on a, a Mac or la Mac laptop. And that's going to bring up a menu where you can say put tab into a group. And then you can put other tabs in that group. And then when you click on the group, you can expand or collapse the tabs. And so a lot of projects that I'm working on, if, if they're in my browser because that's the most convenient way for me to engage with them and work on them, I'll just hit the tab name and it'll collapse all the tabs. And so I just don't see any of that project except the name of the project when I'm cycling through my my web browsing pages. Um, it's very, very helpful if you notice you're frequently getting your attention pulled in multiple directions by multiple projects or multiple windows that you have open on the internet. This is uh, something really, really valuable. And of, of course, the internet is an incredibly powerful tool and with great power comes great responsibility. And so I think having some systems for managing all the information and inputs that are constantly bombarding our consciousness these days, if you're like most uh, digital workers, that can be really, really helpful. So those are just three super simple, super easy things that you can do. Hopefully easy. <laughs> Hopefully you're not super not technically inclined and you got to hire uh, three people to help you out with that. But those are, are simple things. Let's put it that way. That can just lead to fewer distractions. Next up. Probably all of this, all of us have been recommended <laughs> to do this at some point, but maybe this is the the time or the the recommendation that's going to make the difference for you one way or the other is deleting social media apps from your phone. Now, what I like about this is it's a temporary thing. You don't have to delete your account or suspend your account. You just delete the app from your phone. And then what you can do if you have to engage with social media for work or if you just like social media then you can have a pre-scripted time where you can go on social on your laptop or your desktop computer. And it tends to be a lot less of a time-draining, distracted activity for most people. Obviously, I'm making a huge generalization here. But if you just don't have access to those platforms that are designed to really engage your attention and hook your attention and keep you on the platform for as long as possible... Many, many super intelligent people highly incentivized to keep our attention on those things. And it works very well, as many of us know. If you just take those off of your phone, since you're probably looking at your phone on a very regular basis, that can really help just reduce the number of distractions. Now, there's also browser blockers. If you're frequently distracted by social on your actual computer during your study time, 
And I'm just giving you options and tools that you can use, and you can pick and choose whatever is going to work for you best. What I've found most effective for me is if I'm going to go on social media at any given point, either for work or for just relaxation purposes or checking news or whatever, I'll set a timer before I go on and I'll, I'll budget a pre-scripted amount of time that I'm okay devoting to social media. And when the timer goes off, I've built the habit of just clicking out of the app, no matter what I'm looking at, no matter how interesting it is. And that's what I've found works well for me. And it's, it's similar to setting a financial budget or a time budget for any other project that you might get engrossed in and lose track of time, which uh, most of us will be familiar with on social media platforms. Couple other related tips, you can put your phone in grayscale mode. If you don't know how to do that, a quick web search will help. And it just, instead of your phone being in all color, it's just uh, basically like black and white and gray. And a lot of research has gone into show that phones are a lot less compelling. People spend a lot less time on their phone when it's in grayscale because it's just less absorbing of the attention when you don't have all these really bright and, and diverse colors. Now, one thing I've found helpful with that is if you really struggle with getting distracted by your phone when you're studying, you can put your phone in grayscale during study time and you can take it out afterwards. That's also a sort of interim option if you want. At the very least, you can consider turning off notifications from social media apps. So again, when it's time to go on social at a predetermined budgeted time of your choosing, you can do that and engage with it as much as you want, but it's not constantly pulling on your attention from the notifications screen. I've actually gotten to a place where I have silenced all notifications on my phone because I just check my phone on such a regular basis. It's not going to be longer than, I don't know, a couple hours, let's say, at the very longest between times I'm looking at my phone and seeing if any important contacts have messaged me. And then there's plenty of tutorials and probably many of you or most of you are even way more tech savvy than I am with ways of, of dealing with uh, technology these days. But there's all kinds of similar solutions that you can get for notifications, pre-scripted times of day where your notifications don't come through versus when they do. And that's something that's well worth experimenting with during study time, just again, to have fewer distractions. You're much less likely to get distracted and lose focus if you don't have an environment where distractions are permitted or they're minimally permitted. Same thing and very related is putting your phone in airplane mode during study time. Very Had a lot of success with this strategy. It's very useful. It's especially helpful if you have built up or you're engaging with the Pomodoro technique, which I talked about in the How to Become More Disciplined episode, and I've, I've talked about it a lot. It's very, very helpful, very research-backed way of overcoming procrastination. If you're not sure what I'm talking about with the Pomodoro Technique, I strongly recommend going and listening to the Discipline Podcast or a quick web search on the Pomodoro Technique. We'll give you the, the basic rundown of how to use it. And the airplane mode works, works great or do not disturb or focus features work well also. You just experiment with what's going to be best for you. Now, a lot of this stuff I know you, you probably are already aware of, one of my coaches always likes to say, most of us need to be reminded more than we need to be taught. So maybe maybe I'm not putting anything new on your radar here, but I'm just putting it in your consciousness and you can pick what resonates with you and you can say, okay, this week, I'm going to really try the airplane mode when I'm studying. Or this week, I'm really going to try the grayscale on my phone. Or this week, I'm going to check out the newsfeed eradicator. Next up, and arguably more or less important than what I've just gone through, depending on your work environment and your, and your personal environment, is communicating with the close people around you about when you plan to study, when you plan to relax, when you're going to be available to engage with them, and when you will either not be available or minimally available because you are studying for the exam. So of course, many of you are going to be in situations that are a little sensitive, and you're not going to be able to be totally open about your MBA plans. Like if you're in a tough work environment, for example, that's not supportive of you going to graduate school. Um, similarly, if you're around people who are really negative in your personal or family life, you know, you might not want to share your grandest ambitions with these people because they might just be the, the people who, who like to shoot holes in those kinds of things. And that might not be for you. Maybe you're the type of person who thrives on that type of negative feedback. Most people aren't that way. <laughs> so to, the, to find the people who you can share this with, and be as open with them as possible about what they can do to support you and 
what they need from you, like a, a housemate or a roommate comes to mind. Many of you are going to be in shared living situations at this phase in your life. And this is a great conversation to think about and approach artfully if you feel like it's going to help you out. Uh, quiet time in the house versus non-quiet time in the house. Um, same thing might be possible for you at work. What are the times you expect me to be available for certain projects and instant feedback and communication? And what are the times that I have where I can basically count on the fact that I won't be interrupted for X, Y, or Z amount of time? And you might be surprised how simple and powerful those conversations are when you're direct with people about what you want. A lot of people are going to really support you growing and chasing your dreams. And you might even be in an environment with a lot of people who have their MBA who are super supportive and uh, perhaps, obviously, that's a really, really valuable situation to be in that's worth capitalizing on. Now, if you're in a really negative environment, I've actually gone somewhat deep into things you can do in the past. Uh, I think we have an episode called Optimizing, How to Optimize Your Life to Study Well for the GMAT or uh, Increase Your Study Speed. Sorry, I, I just straight up forgot to look that up before I started recording here. But it's it's I'm in the ballpark with with that title of that episode. I've got some good tips for you in there. And then uh, I've also got an episode on how to use negativity to improve your, your GMAT score. And so I definitely recommend checking those out if you're in a particularly combative or difficult environment and you're really struggling with the people around you, potentially actively working against you, engaging with this process. It's a difficult situation, but almost all of those situations are overcomable. I'm not trying to diminish the challenges. It could be a significant, significant challenge, maybe the most significant you've ever dealt with. But for most of those situations, they are resolvable. It just might take time and ingenuity and resourcefulness and initiative on your, your part to set yourself up for success, or it might just take a longer time to study, but you can do it. Now, this communication with other people and setting up agreements in advance can also be really helpful for managing burnout. And what I mean is if you get good at scheduling your downtime, and scheduling your study time and communicating that with other people, that's an extra layer of accountability that helps you stick to those time commitments. So if you're messing around when you're supposed to be studying, someone you live with might say, hey, isn't this supposed to be your study block? <laughs> Which can be helpful. Um, flip side of that might be if you've made specific plans to engage socially and you've blocked that time out on your calendar and then you've blocked out your study time, and you're not available, maybe someone's going to chime in and say, hey, aren't you? I thought you said we were going to be able to meet at this time. And that extra layer of accountability for certain types of folks can be really, really helpful. So there's a dual effect there because if you really take the time to schedule your study time intelligently and proactively, and I'll give you some tools for that a little bit later if, if you're not sure how to do that, but even just the act of putting the study time in your official calendar that you use on a regular basis and then putting your downtime in that calendar as well and having specific start and end times for those things can really, really help managing burnout because if you know you're going to have the downtime that you want and need on Saturday, for example, it can make it a lot easier to push through any resistance or any fatigue on Wednesday or Thursday when you scripted your study time and you're just not feeling up to it for whatever reason. So all of this can can really work together extremely well. It might take a little bit of experimentation, like I said, and it might take messing it up a few times before you really get it to click. But let's be real, having a strong productivity and time management and focus management system for yourself is going to go way beyond getting great at the GMAT and being productive in business school. If you're talking about really achieving your full potential, this is a skill set that hopefully you'll continue to improve for the rest of, of your career. That's certainly what I plan on doing. Now, if you're struggling to keep your commitments, like you've actually scheduled it out and you're, you're having a hard time sticking to that, it might be just that you haven't collected enough data on what actually works for you and what's reasonable for you in terms of time and downtime commitments that you can actually make. And you might just be early in the cycle and you might need to iterate and experiment more. Or you might need to go back to the how to become more disciplined episode from a few weeks ago and start with commitments that are easier to keep and build up from there. And I give you a lot of really valuable advice in that episode that's definitely worth listening to if you're like, hey, I got the thing in the calendar, Isaac, that was a great idea. It helped a little bit, but now I'm struggling to actually keep up with it and, and stay consistent with it. That's where the 
material I walked you through in the discipline episode can be super, super helpful. Next up, in optimizing your environment to have fewer distractions is consider finding a place between work and home that you can study at. And this can be getting up early, leaving your home and going to this place before you get to work. That can be a valuable way to use that place. I've found it particularly valuable if you're not the morning study type of person or just your schedule makes it impractical to study early in the morning for whatever reason. And you're more the evening studier who's going to study after work. It can be particularly effective if you leave work and that sort of deletes all the work consciousness stuff from the forefront of your mind for most people. There's uh, plenty of research to show that the environments we're in can cue certain parts of the brain to, to light up more, for lack of a better expression. Sorry, I'm not being super articulate about this if you have a neuroscience background, but I'm hopefully giving you the basic gist. And then when you get to your study space, wherever that is, if it's a, a cafe, uh, maybe there's a space at your gym where you can get your, your typical workout in and then hit the books for a while before you go home. That kind of thing can work really, really well. Um, even had people go to the lengths of, of studying in a car if they have a really, really distracting work environment and a really, really distracting home environment. Do what you got to do. And I, I did it many, many times. I've talked about it in the past, I'm sure. I, I can't uh, recall if it was in a, a private Facebook group live that I did or on one of the podcasts. But that's what I did back in the day when I was first starting is um, I was sharing my house with a bunch of people. I wasn't in the best financial situation. Unfortunately, at that time, it was very early in my career. And um, there was a lot of other factors involved in that that aren't relevant. And my work environment was also super, super distracting for a wide variety of reasons. And so I would leave work. I would get some food if I was hungry. And I would just camp out in the car for an hour or two, hit the books, and then when I was ready to go home, it was like home time. And when I got home, the kind of relaxation response kicked in. And it was a lot easier to manage my study routine that way versus getting home first. Because what I noticed, and I've noticed this with a lot of folks, when I got home first, the relaxation day is over, time to not be productive and like rest and, and chill kind of vibe took over. And that took me, a, I was able to overcome it with willpower, but it took a lot of extra energy. And I just found it easier to segment those spaces. And it was almost like the physical space helped me out with the mental space. And I, I gave some advice on that, how to on how to study while quarantined a few years back when I was releasing episodes during COVID because I was getting a lot of questions about like, hey, I'm in this... I'm locked in my house, this tiny apartment, 24-7. How do I maintain my productivity with my study? And different spaces can can really, really help with that. And even just different spaces, if you work from home, different spaces within your house or within your home office can also be a really, really, really great, so simple. It seems like it shouldn't work. Um, but you might surprise yourself if you give this a go. So some of you are going to be the get up early in the morning and study at home before everybody else wakes up person. That can also be great. That's kind of like a form of space hacking, if you will. That can really, really help. Some of you might be able to get to work early and be the first person in the office. And that can also be a really, really great move. I've had people go into the office super early, get their study time in, then hit the gym. And so when there's this space where people are kind of filtering in slowly to work, it's just much less distracting. There's fewer people who can grab your attention like, oh, cool, you're here early. Can I get this thing from you? You know, many of us have had that experience. Uh, so that's one option. Um, at the end of the day, you're, we're all going to have to figure out a way to manage our physical spaces so that we can manage our psychological space so that we can study and make gains with these things because ultimately it is our responsibility to to handle this and fix it. And it's an opportunity to become more resourceful and and more empowered, honestly. You, you can just ask yourself, like, what's the alternative? The, the alternative is be a victim of circumstance and get out competed by other people who had the resourcefulness and initiative to make it happen. I'm guessing that if you're here listening to this right now and you're taking your discretionary time to listen to a podcast about the GMAT, you care. You definitely care about doing well on this thing, okay? Much respect. And the idea of being out competed to you probably gets you a little fired up, maybe. <laughs> oh, maybe. Maybe not. Maybe you're not that person who thrives on on competition, and and that's more than fair. There there might be other mindsets for you that'll be helpful, but a lot of you are going to be like, yeah, I refuse to accept being a victim of my circumstances, and therefore being outcompeted by somebody who either just had easier circumstances 
which very well may exist, or was just more resourceful than I was and just controlled their circumstances better than I did. And hopefully, hopefully you are the type of person who's like, no, I'm going to decide to figure out a way to take time and take control of my circumstances and make this happen. So this is just another opportunity for you to build that internal muscle, that mental muscle of not being a victim of circumstances. Now, obviously, some of us are going to be in circumstances that are very, very, very difficult or impossible to control. And in that situation, you want to focus on the things you can control. Focus on the things you can control and be as honest with yourself as possible. Hopefully that goes without saying, but again, if you're the person like me who needs to be reminded more than you need to be taught, then consider that my friendly reminder. So um, that is many, many, many different ways. I lost count, honestly. Many different ways that you can change your environment to have fewer distractions. And that can really help you deal with distractions because if you have fewer distractions, you're just going to need to deploy less willpower. Having said that, I also want to go through some habits, tactics, things you can implement to actually get better with, better at dealing with distractions once you are already distracted. So dealing with distractions is a combination of skills and willpower. So that once I get distracted, I either have habits that pull me back faster to what I'm supposed to be focusing on. Or I have enough willpower to just change the situation, communicate better, refocus on whatever it is that I'm supposed to be doing, and get back to being productive with my time and efficient with my time. So number one thing you can do to become better at dealing with distractions, if you have to confront them, which most of us will, even if we hack our environment, quote unquote, perfectly, is tracking your sleep. Peter Drucker, one of the fathers of modern management, debatably the father of modern management, Extremely brilliant person, strongly recommend any and all of his books. You'll probably read them in, in B-School if you haven't been exposed to them already. Peter Drucker, one of the famous quotes that I try my best to live by is just by tracking things, they improve. If you measure something, it's automatically going to improve just from having more attention and data tracking on it. It's a really, really interesting concept. Some of you may have experimented with this with your exercise routine, or maybe some of you track your sleep already. But just by tracking your sleep, you will, in most situations, improve your sleep quality, even if you can't improve your sleep duration. And there's many, many tools for this. But if you get better sleep quality and or more sleep duration, you will, by and large, have more willpower. You're less likely to get distracted in the first place. And you also will be, by and large, more emotionally resilient and able to keep your cool in distracting and difficult situations and refocus your attention on the things that matter to you. So if you're in between workplaces, a cafe, and you're better rested, you're less likely to be fully pulled off by the kid screaming at his parent in the cafe. Hopefully you can find a cafe where that's not happening. But let's be honest, some of you might be in these difficult situations, and that might be the best you can get. And that's a heck of a lot better than zero. And you can definitely reach your dream GMAT score and get into your dream business school, even if you have really distracting environments that you have to study in. So getting better sleep, tracking your sleep can really help with that. As just a quick personal recommendation, I really like the Rise Sleep and Energy app, but it's totally up to you. Um, I think Rise is has a free trial, but then you might pay to use it long term. I, I think I'm on a paid plan, if if memory serves. But I, I use it every single day, and I, I really like it because for me, I tried at every piece of wearable tech that I could get my hands on to improve my sleep quality, but all of them made me sleep worse, actually. I was just distracted by the device. I don't know, subconsciously or something, or my body just didn't get used to it. Um, I had a friend who said it really well. He He's very competitive, and he was always trying to slip, set sleep personal records once he started tracking, which ended up being a distraction and made him sleep worse. So he just got rid of the tracker and then slept like immediately better the next night. So, you know, there's going to be different strokes for different folks here. Uh, but the Rise app just moves on your phone's motion detector. And so I like it. I don't even have to have my phone in the room with me in order for it to track my sleep, which is great. I don't have to have my phone connected to the internet, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's just one option for you. But smart devices, smart watches, there's many, many apps out there like Sleep Cycle, I think, is totally free. And I'm sure you can do a quick web search and get a great rundown of, of sleep tracking options. The important thing is that you find something that works for you. And again, just like the becoming a more focused person and de and developing your system of staying focused is going to be 
a career long skill set that as you get better, you will become more effective, more efficient, be able to do more with less time, et cetera. Improving your sleep over time, no matter how good or bad it is right now, will probably have a similar net effect. So again, I would really recommend that if you're not already doing that. Uh, next tip is probably going to be super controversial. And again, none of this is medical advice. I'm not qualified to give medical advice. I'm just sharing stuff that I have seen work with a wide variety of people and helping you consider that maybe you might want to do some of this stuff. But one thing I've had a lot of success with uh, personally and in a lot of groups of successful people that I've been very fortunate to be around is eliminating things from my diet. And you might already have something in mind when I say eliminating things from your diet that you're like, I've been meaning to cut that out for a long time. But things that I've seen work for a wide variety of people, obviously, this is going to be super, super personal. And also, I would never tell you to go against any religious beliefs you have. So if any of this conflicts with your religious beliefs, just ignore what I'm saying, forget about it. Uh, but I've had a lot of success eliminating gluten, eliminating dairy, eliminating sugar, eliminating alcohol, and eliminating processed foods either from my diet at different times in my development as a human or recommending that other people eliminate those things from their diets. And it could be all or one or some combination that's optimal for you. But especially if you're in a season of hardcore growth and focus where you're trying to do your best at work, you're trying to do your best on a, an exam that can be very psychologically and emotionally demanding and challenging. You might have other commitments going on in your personal life. In fact, odds are you have a lot. <laughs> It might be a season to just press pause on alcohol or press pause on sugar or press pause on gluten. And I'll, I'll give you some things you can use to make this a little bit easier. For some of you, it's not going to be the time to eliminate any of those things. Or maybe it's a season where you have predetermined days where you can engage as much as possible with those things if you want to. And then you have predetermined times where you don't even think about them, don't even touch them. That can work really, really well, like Friday nights and Saturday nights. You can totally go out and have a glass of wine or however many, you know, beverages of your choice that you want to consume. And then Monday through Thursday, you don't even think about it. It's not even an option. Don't even offer it to me. Some of you might have success with that kind of thing rather than just an all or nothing mentality. I don't know what's going to work best for you, but there's a lot of research to show that these things can improve cognitive performance, more research on other things that I mentioned and less research on some of the things I mentioned. And again, I'm not going to get into the debate of what's right for you. I'm just making suggestions that you can consider. So when you eliminate these things from your diet, you'll wind up by and large, again, not universal, but by and large, having fewer blood sugar spikes and therefore fewer blood sugar crashes. And this can be helpful for regulating your mood, regulating your energy and smoothing out the natural energy curve that most of us have throughout the day. Most of us our, our circadian rhythm or our basically our sleep and awake alertness and fatigue chemistry will rise and fall periodically throughout the day. And there might be certain times that you know you're going to be more productive and focused, like some of you are quote-unquote morning people, for lack of a better expression, whereas some of you are quote-unquote night owls or night people and you just have your best, most productive hours from midnight to 3 a.m. or something like that. So what this can help you do is just smooth out that chemical curve from a diet perspective, which will make your energy more stable and also more predictable. Now, timing of caffeine can help and, and running some experiments there. That's probably a topic of its own supplements and cognitive enhancers. I, I've intermittently done uh, trainings on that in the past. And if you'd like for me to talk more about what I've learned and some of the research I've done in that with uh, within my, my own student population, and then also uh, writ large, some of the research I've read, I'd be happy to share that. But that's that's probably going to make this podcast like hours and hours long, and it's, it's probably just going to be impractical. But if you have a good caffeine routine, or if you don't drink caffeine, and, and that's not your thing, or it's again, like against your beliefs, then by all means, you know, pick and choose what's going to be a fit for you personally. This is just general advice. Next up, and by the way, if you have questions about this, just reach out to us anytime at the GMAT strategy on, on current social channels. We're not going to pitch you in the DM or something absurd like that. We're just going to help you out. Okay. So if you want help, let us know. Next up, this is going to be a fit for some of you. And, and now I'm getting into some of the stuff that I just figured might, might be less applicable to a wide variety of people, but some specific things that I've seen be really, really helpful. Subscribing to a meal delivery service. 
really, really valuable if you have the cash to do this and, and you can stand it because some people just, they need to cook or cooking is one of your passions or something like that. I'm not going to tell you, you have to give up your passion, but maybe it's a season. Maybe it's a season where you put that on pause and subscribe to a meal delivery service. Now there's a, I don't, I don't know if there's actually a million, but there's a lot of these out there. And you can get different levels of preparedness for what's delivered. You can get ingredients delivered with instructions for how to prepare and cook so you don't have to go to the grocery store at all or as much. And you can get all the way up to pre-prepared meals, uh, which is what I personally do. And I haven't, I haven't been to the grocery store or cooked a meal by myself for myself in probably like three years, maybe five actually, now that I think about it. It might even be longer than that. I, I lost track. Let's put it that way. It's been long enough. And that's just not going to be a fit for, for some of you. And I'm not going to pitch any meal delivery services. Everything I recommend on, on the pod, I don't have any referral relationships with, with these folks, um, except where I do say that I do. And, and I will disclose that with you if I do. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of great meal delivery services out there. You can get gluten-free, dairy-free, paleo, keto, high-carb, low-carb. There's all kinds of stuff that's going to fit your lifestyle and your personal preferences. And if that's something you're interested in experimenting with or you thought in the past, like, oh, maybe I should do that. Holy moly, it has saved me so much time and so much energy. A lot of times we think we realize the time, we can quantify the time we have to take to go to the grocery store and prepare meals and food prep and all that stuff. But sometimes we we don't realize how much energy we're expending doing those things, how much cognitive and physical energy we're spending until you stop doing it and you realize like, oh my gosh, I have so much more energy in the gym or oh, I'm so much more focused when I'm studying, okay? So this is going to be a practical thing for some of you and not for others, but highly, highly recommended. Uh, I've noticed for myself, I eat way healthier. I eat a much more balanced diet instead of me just cooking the same three meals for myself uh, because I'm, I'm much more of like a utilitarian eater um, than, than I, I think most folks are. But just a suggestion, something to experiment with. Next, something I really, really like to do myself is drawing something called a circle of focus. And a circle of focus is you, you make a circle on a page and then you you write in with a rough estimate, how much of your time and attention is going to certain aspects of your life. So you might have an overall circle of focus for your whole life of how much time and energy and focus does work take up versus sleep versus personal versus studying. What I found particularly helpful is a circle of focus within each area of my life. So a circle of focus for my personal life, a circle of focus for my professional life, a circle of focus for fitness, a circle of focus for et cetera, et cetera. You can get as granular with this as, as you want to. But I try to have one thing in those circles as much as I possibly can, or at least have a top level high priority focus. And I've had tremendous success with that. Some of you might not be able to get it down to one. There have been times where I've had two or three things in that circle. But then for the thing that's not the main thing, the big thing that's going to drive my results as more than anything else, I try to shrink those other pieces of the pie as, as much as I can, either through delegation or quote unquote hiring, such as getting a meal delivery service, something like that. And in my personal life, my meal prep is very, very small, a tiny amount of time. Actually, it takes me virtually zero time now, just with the system that I personally have, which is probably you don't even care. So I'm not going to go into that. Um, <clears throat> but basically zero time on that. And that's bought me back quite a bit of productive time, I would say, at the very least, 30 minutes to an hour a day on the low side. And if you compound that over the course of a month, that's 30 extra hours <laughs> in in my month, which for some of you could be a whole week or half week, um, or some of you super hardcore people, one quarter of a week. <laughs> and that can that can really add up just in terms of time and energy. And you don't even necessarily need to devote that to studying. Like sometimes... If I'm really feeling the burn, I'll devote some of that that time to just relaxing or um, engaging with stuff that I find restorative. And that can really help make my time that I do spend on my productive, quote unquote, productive activities or work activities a lot more effective. Okay, so that's something to consider the energy thing I was talking about, not just the time thing. So draw. you can consider drawing a circle of focus or just mentally conceptualizing this if you're in the gym or driving right now and it's not practical to draw something. Imagine for yourself your whole life as a, as a pie chart and 
where is most of your time and energy going? And just go down the list of all the things that you devote time and energy to on a daily basis and really ask yourself, can I shrink any of these? Are any of these deletable or suspendable for a season while I study for the GMAT? Because the, the more you can grow that focus piece that's GMAT related, the faster, better results you're likely to get. So the circle of focus can really help you deal with distractions because the circle of focus is really just another way of prioritizing. And one of my favorite tools is just a priorities list. So simple, so, so, so simple, but so powerful. And what you want to do is just write out the top 10 priorities in your life and then rank them in order. You might, might surprise yourself. Maybe you don't even have 10 things that are super, super important that you're focused on right now. But listing out the top five or top 10 can be really, really valuable. And it can just help you make difficult decisions in difficult moments. Because if you know that your personal health is your number one priority and someone calls you in the middle of the night for help with something, you might decline because your personal health is super predicated on your sleep. Whereas if being a great friend to the friends around you is more important than your personal health or it is more important in certain situations, then having that decision pre-made by way of this priority list will help you make faster, better decisions under pressure. If you've pre-committed to how you prioritize and what you say yes to and what you say no to, it can just help you deal with distractions. If you get invited to a happy hour after work, it can make it easier if you've pre-committed to studying after work and saying no to happy hours Monday through Thursday. And you can say, oh man, that sucks. I really want to come. But how about Friday or how about Saturday? I'm free those nights. Those are my free nights. Why don't we get together for drinks then? Even though I'm going to miss the happy hour, like I could still catch up with you. It's been forever. I really want to hear what's going on with you and, and connect. That kind of thing just makes those moments a lot easier and can decrease a lot of the friction that you might feel saying no to things, declining things, or maybe getting overcommitted unintentionally and then having to delete commitments. That can be very, very painful. Most all of us don't want to break our word with important people. And so this is just a way that you can help retain as many commitments as you possibly can because becoming overcommitted is a very preventable form of stress for most of us. And it's something that we should all consider stopping doing if we have that natural inclination toward becoming overcommitted. It's just a thing that needs to be managed. It can have upside, obviously. Um, but again, it helps to have everything in the calendar. That can, that can really, really help. And scheduling things into the future can really, really help with that. Even making your schedule aligned with your priority list can be super valuable. Now, that's pretty up there in terms of obsessiveness. But some of you are like, yeah, I want exactly that. <laughs> And believe, believe me, I relate. So um, it can also help you answer the question like, is whatever is being quote unquote demanded of me really critical at this, this juncture? Because if the more that you can offload things that are not critical from the moment and put those in a different time or a future time, the easier time you're going to have staying focused and not getting distracted. Okay, um, in line with the recommendations I just gave, I will recommend being a continual optimizer and recognize that life is generally in constant flux. And so I don't think it's a reasonable expectation to set your priorities or set your schedule in stone and have that be the consistent thing that you do for six months. If you can do that, that is amazing. And if you can nail it from the beginning, by all means do so. But what I'll recommend is a weekly session with yourself Put it in the calendar. Doesn't have to be super long. It could be two to five minutes where you just re-optimize your weekly plan and maybe write a takeaway or two from the past week. Like, okay, I engaged with my plan the past week. What went well? What can I be happy about? What can I be proud of myself for that I did well? And then what's something I can take to the next level? And for most of us, we're going to get the best performances out of ourselves when we're happy about our progress and there's something we can be proud of in what we're doing and growing and acknowledging that growth. And we're at the same time remaining hungry for the next level. That's generally where most of us are going to have our sweet spot of productivity. And this is a way that you can help yourself do that. You can write down one thing that you did well in the past week and one thing to improve for the next week. And if you did that every week for the next, let's call it three to 60 weeks that you may or may not be studying for this thing, ask yourself, would that probably make my time more productive? Would I probably get faster, better results? And is the price of two to five minutes once a week worth that? I think most of us would agree it, it almost certainly is. Now, another recommendation I can make along those lines is planning every single day the night before. This is a habit that I built very early in my career, fortunately, and it's it's been so, so helpful for me. It's so simple, such a simple thing. 
But I just look at my commitments for the next day right before I go to bed. And I just organize what are the things I can do? What do I, what am I not going to do? I use something called a goal journal that I've recommended in the past. And basically it's a combination of the vision board I was talking about in the discipline episode and just working that back to a few daily tasks that are going to move me toward that vision on a regular basis. And I'll slot those tasks in depending on what other commitments I have on my calendar for the next day. And so that way, when I wake up the following day, I don't have to be thinking, what am I doing from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m.? What am I doing from noon to 1 p.m.? What am I doing from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m.? I've already got that stuff already scripted out. Some of you might be do better with more fluid ways of structuring your time or your, your, your professional or personal life requires you to be more fluid. That's totally cool. I'm not saying you have to do any of this. I'm just telling you what has worked for the widest variety of people that I've personally worked with through this process, which is in the tens of thousands at this point. Okay, last tips that are probably going to apply to the smallest number of you, but can be real game changers if you have the means to make this happen is number one, hiring a housekeeper. Again, this is something that is time intensive, but also energy intensive. And you might be surprised how affordable this is. Many housekeepers will come once a month or once a week or once every two weeks. You don't necessarily have to have someone there a lot. And you don't necessarily need to drop a lot of cash. If you have the cash, I personally think it's a great investment, especially even if it's just for this one season where you're studying and you might have a lot of extra commitments for yourself. So just be honest with yourself if that's a good idea. Spend five, 10 minutes on a web search, doing some research, see what's out there. The best people are going to be people you can get personal references from. So I would start with that. Reach out to people who are in your network and ask them, hey, do you have a housekeeper? Are you happy with him or her? What kind of stuff do they do for you? What kind of rates do they charge? And see if you can get a few different options for yourself. And consider it long-term. If you're thinking about becoming a super high-level business leader, executive, you'll probably be the kind of person who's working a lot of hours or just working intense hours, at least for certain seasons in your career. And having the homestead handled so you don't have to do cleaning or don't have to get harassed by other people for cleaning or organizing or laundry or all that stuff. It's just several different line items that aren't going to be holded, like sitting on the back of your mind, soaking up brain power of like, when am I going to get to that? Some of you might find this stuff super therapeutic. You know, if that's you folding laundry as like your way to chill out and decompress, obviously I'm not trying to take that away from you, but maybe again, you just consider it for a season here where you just uh, invest the capital to just um, have that time and energy back into your life, either again for relaxation, personal time, or productive time to do better at your job or do better with your studies. Along those similar lines, you might consider hiring a virtual assistant. This is something that is very widely available these days, and there's many, many resources out there to help you find someone great. Again, a personal recommendation is always best. And what I've found the most helpful for myself and a lot of my students is someone who can filter your emails, your texts, and your direct messages, especially if you're in a very communication-heavy industry or if you get pitched a lot, if you're getting a lot of cold emails from people trying to sell you things. Obviously, this is very industry-specific, uh, but just having a human there who can send you the important stuff either to a private email address where you only get the high-value, high-action item stuff or uh, a messaging center like Slack, for example, can be really, really valuable for this. You can have a Slack channel for your virtual assistant where you just get all your key communications. And then you can set up a spreadsheet or a training document with your virtual assistant to just respond to common things or just delete things, unsubscribe you from marketing emails, et cetera. Again, this might be something that you just engage with temporarily for a little while and get that time back just for the time that you're studying for the GMAT. And then when you're done with your GMAT prep, you might go back to doing that if it's a financial issue or whatever, a trust issue, something like that. Um, but I've I've gone as far as, uh, well, I won't just go too deep into it because all of us are going to be in different situations. But if you have specific questions or you want some recommendations there, um, I'm happy to make them. Uh, there are VAs you can work with directly. And then there are VAs you can get through a agency different strokes for different folks and different budgets for sure. Um, having said that, like hiring humans to help you can be a risk factor because it can take some time to get someone good and train them and manage them and make sure that everything's going well. Having said that, if you can get someone great, it can be an absolute game changer, absolute lifesaver. And probably for most of you, you'll want that kind of support eventually anyway as you progress in your career. So this is an opportunity to just like get the ball rolling on that 
if you haven't already. And then maybe your virtual assistant can help find you a housekeeper, can help uh, you manage your schedule and your calendar. There's all kinds of things that someone good who's reliable and responsive and very organized and awesome and very professional can really, really, really help you out dealing with distractions, just getting fewer distractions, staying on task, and just being more productive, getting the productive time that you want. And let's be honest, also creating more time for the things that you want to do that you might not want to press pause on during this season that you're studying for the GMAT, like family commitments or personal commitments, weddings. Life usually doesn't slow down for us just because we decided to go to B-School and study for the GMAT. And if you're like most of the people I interact with through this platform, you're just going to keep taking on more and more responsibility and keep wanting to grow and challenge and push yourself. And that is a beautiful thing. There is, so, There are so many high value places for folks like ourselves in the world. And it's just something that we want to manage because most of you don't just want to be super successful in your career while the rest of your life just burns to the ground in a steaming pile of ashes and ruin. You want to be the best friend you can be, the best partner you can be, the best uh, teammate you can be. All of these things require effort. And the more you can shape your circle of focus to be focused on the right, highest productive things that are your strength, and the more things you can remove from your circle of focus and time and energy, repetitive activities like cooking, cleaning, etc., the more time you're going to have to spread out across what your highest priorities are. And probably the more you're going to enjoy this process and the more success that you're going to have. So that's everything. I racked my brain for you for a long time to get a really robust list. And my hope is that at least one of those things resonated with you. And you're going to be, take, be able to take at least one of those things, if not more, over time, integrate them into your routine and get a ton of leverage on your time and your attention and your studies for this process. If you have questions about any of this stuff, like I've said many times, feel free to reach out. Contact info is in the link below. And if you want to reach out to us on social, there's also a link below that says want more free help. And that'll link to all of our free products, including our, our social media channels. And don't be shy about reaching out if you do need help. Uh, we are here to be as supportive as we can possibly be for you. And we want to see you succeed. We want to see you become an incredible business leader, shape culture, have success, become super rich, be a huge baller if that's your thing. Whatever you're into, have the impact that you want to have on the world. That is really what we are about is setting people up for success because I've realized in my career the only thing that's better than winning for me is winning together. As always, my greatest hope is that this material will make your studies as easy and as painless as they can possibly be. If you want more tips and strategies for optimizing your performance on the GMAT, head to our website, thegmatstrategy.com, and check out our video presentation on how to reach your dream GMAT score in half the normal time. In the meantime, this is a weekly show, so please subscribe, and as always, stay positive and stay consistent with your studies. I'll talk to you soon.